Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Thanks for joining me on Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. This week, for some, the school year has already begun. Master Trooper Deanna Pekansky, Public Information Officer with Pennsylvania State Police, Troop P. Wilkesbury, and Rebecca Ryback, Coordinator of the Northeast Highway Safety Program, are here to talk about school bus safety and have travel reminders for the upcoming Labor Day weekend. We're also going to meet David Parmalee. He's the general manager of the Little Theater of Wilkesbury. David has your invitation to a gala celebration. It will be an evening of great memories for all those performers who've been on the stage, the volunteers behind the scenes, or those theater lovers past and present who've enjoyed the productions. They'll gather and give a standing ovation to the community theater as it celebrates its 100th season. And now today, we begin with the word cancer, a word no one wants to hear. Dr. Rajiv Panikar specializes in hematology, oncology, and internal medicine. Dr. Panikar is the chair of the Cancer Institute of the Geisinger Health System. He's here today to talk about colon cancer and the importance of early screening. Dr. Panikar also tells us about their team approach in cancer care. It begins from the moment that word cancer, the word that no one wants to hear, is a patient's diagnosis. Whenever we talk cancer, Dr. Panikar, so many people are affected. And in this case, we're talking colorectal cancer. Can you give us a little bit of the background of colorectal cancer? Absolutely. Colorectal cancer, uh, unfortunately, is an extremely common cancer that touches so many lives every year. And it's a, a cancer where we do have opportunities to use screening tools to try to catch problems early or perhaps even intervene before a cancer develops. And so, you know, what's an important thing for all of us to keep in mind is the, you know, screening kind of precautions that can be taken. It's uncomfortable to talk about. But cancer screening with something like a colonoscopy, um, which previously was routinely recommended to begin at age 50, but should be considered from the age of 45 with some revised guidelines. Often, uh, colonoscopy, if completed, can find small polyps before they become cancer, um, can help identify cancers early. And if we get all clear colonoscopies where everything looks good, then nothing needs to be done for 10 years. Unless, of course... There's a family history. Is that also a concern? Correct. So family history, and there's different aspects of family history. And we do have a program within Geisinger, although it's housed primarily in Dandel at this time, um, to specifically designed um, on caring for patients with high family risk of colorectal cancer, something called Lynch syndrome. So in general, if a, a first-degree family member, which is mother, father, sister, brother, if they have a colon cancer, routine screening should begin no later than 10 years earlier than the age of the diagnosis of your loved one. So if your father had a colon cancer diagnosed at age 50, then you would want to get your first screening testing starting no later than age 40. I know a lot of times people hear that and then they say, well, my doctor said I can't go until 50. So does that mean that I'm going to run into a problem with insurance? 
It's a great question. So a couple things. I do think that insurance issues can be very stressful, but often conversation with your physician uh, about the, the, the concern can help alleviate that and, and address the issue. But routine cancer screening um, for colon cancer without inherited risk or family risk, age 50, as I said, had been the standard. The American Cancer Society had recommended changes to lower that to age 45, recognizing that we are unfortunately seeing a small but increasing number of patients uh, developing cancer in their late 40s. So we want to try to catch that early. So 45 with the U.S. Prevention Service Task Force recommendations is very reasonable. Colonoscopy is what I've mentioned. It is not the only screening strategy. And there is the opportunity to do some sort of their stool genetic tests, and there's different brand names for those tests that can be done as well as part of cancer screening. But colonoscopy, which I've mentioned, is the gold standard. Dr. Panikar, you mentioned the fact that there are other than colonoscopy, and I would like to talk about that more. But now that we're seeing these others, and actually they've been around, but again, sometimes people will say, well, I don't know if I trust that. But then again, a colonoscopy is such a project. So where would one go in all of this when you're trying to make a decision? Yeah. So, I mean, let's face it, it's embarrassing to talk about a colonoscopy. They need to take a colonoscopy prep and empty your colon and then to have to go and have the procedure. You know, but what I will say is, again, colonoscopy is the gold standard. Um, I went and had my first screening colonoscopy here in this last month. Was it the most exciting way to spend a couple of days? Absolutely not. Am I glad that I did it? Absolutely, I am. Um, But I would say that Stool DNA testing, and as I said, there are different brand names. An example brand name is Cologuard. There are others. The advantage of that, those tests, is you, you can do them at home. You do have to submit a stool sample. You can do that from home. And if it's negative, um, then, as for example, then that's, no, that's every three years that it needs to be done. The challenge with those tests are... Um, you can miss small things, right? You're, you're relying on a stool sample as opposed to a, a gastroenterologist or a surgeon being able to look at and directly examine the area of the colon. So I would, what my point I would say is I, and in, in my, for my patients as well, I do recommend colonoscopy, but I'd rather us do something than nothing. So rather than being paralyzed by, you know, the discomfort or the concern about having to take a colonoscopy prep and having a scope procedure and get an IV and those things, I'd much rather us do something. Now, if that something is abnormal, then we do need to follow up and do the right additional test, but then we can kind of cross that bridge. So again, I think it's important to put on the table what the concerns are and if the concerns are, you know, will my insurance cover? Let's name it. Let's talk about it. If the concern is, I don't, I'm embarrassed to go take a colonoscopy and let's talk about that and then kind of tackle it you know, for what it really is. I'll give you a little bit of background here. I've had colonoscopies for, oh, I don't know, I guess it's probably over the past 20 years. And I've always thought that they weren't that bad because I always got an extra nap, which was okay with me. My mom (laughs) was diagnosed with colon cancer back in 1985. Her doctor at that time, the doctors that were treating her said, tops, maybe a year and a half. She lived till 1997 at the age of 75. So I am a major proponent of being able to get in on the ground floor. Dr. Panikar, I'm sure you'll agree with me. 1985 was a lot different than it is here in 2022 when it came to diagnosis, treatment and colonoscopies. I, there's so many things that are, that are different, including on the treatment side, which, of course, is where I spend a lot of my time as a medical oncologist. But it's it's remarkable. And I think that every individual patient story is different. And I think that that's important to remember. What I often find in conversation, and this includes with my patients who already I'm treating them or have treated them for a cancer already. There is fear and worry. The what if, what if we find a problem? And, you know, what I try to talk to people about is, well, what if we find that problem and it's not so bad? Or what if we find the problem early so that we can take care of it once and for all and let it get to be something you put in the rearview mirror and let you have a great story about why it was important to get this kind of thing done. So I think it's really great that you're being willing to be transparent and share your experience and your family experience around this, because I think that's what makes it real to people when they understand that it's be part of the conversation about health. 
what would be some of the symptoms that you might encounter? So I think that first off, I'd always um, like to remind people again what we already said, you know, standard screening and routine screening um, would be first point. But when it comes to symptoms and concerns, unexplained blood in the stool, change in the character of the bowel movements, unintended weight loss, those are the most common symptoms. Um, There are some other things that you would be looking at or your physician can look at with you, and that is things like anemia. People with colon cancer can develop anemia, like iron deficiency anemia. Now, there's lots of reasons to have iron deficiency anemia. Women who've had several pregnancies over the course of a few years, women who have heavy heavy menstrual cycles, people who've had a big operation that had bleeding associated with it, they get anemia too. So not every anemia is going to lead us back to a cancer, but if we have an unexplained anemia, that's important to talk about with your doctor. Hey, why is this happening? Is there other things that I should do in order to evaluate? And put that, again, put that on the table um, for discussion. Because I think when we're informed as patients and we're engaged in our health care, the whole process works better for everybody. There are other cancers that people do get concerned about. Can there be an overlay of perhaps one type of cancer with another type of cancer, say, for example, colon cancer and pancreatic cancer? One of the challenges with cancer in general is trying to understand, are there clear roadmap kind of signals that tell us exactly what it is that we need to do? And from my perspective, I think that the important point is When symptoms change and there are concerns, having a relationship with your primary care physician so that you're able to have that dialogue, I think that's where the conversation really starts. Well, again, I can go back to my mom and when she was diagnosed, her colon had already been impacted and that was not a good place to start. So that gives you an idea. Again, that was way before all of the, the screenings and, and things like that. So I understand the importance of doing those things as quickly as possible. One of the things which I know I never understood at that point in time, and even now, is why here in Northeast Pennsylvania does colon cancer appear so often? Yeah, so there are a number of cancers that we see, of course, in our Northeast Pennsylvania territory that we serve as members of the Geisinger Health System. And colorectal cancers are felt to be related to a lot of, uh, there are inherited factors, which we touched on already. There are certain family histories of early cancers that are, are, are there. But the majority of cancers are not related to family history and are perhaps more related to things like diet. We know that if people have a more fiber-rich diet, if they eat less processed foods, which includes things like deli meats, unfortunately, if we have less charred meats like on the grill, um, some of those things are factors that can increase risk of cancer when we have an increased amount of those items in our diet. We know with colon cancer and other cancers that when people are more active, when they aim to maintain a healthier weight and regular exercise, along with that diet of a healthy mix of fruits, vegetables, and natural foods, cancers of all types, including colon cancer, are lower. So I think that what's specific about northeastern Pennsylvania, I think, is harder to put our finger on, but we, we are like other parts of the country in, in our backyard here in the way that we eat and the way that we share our, our good times together as families and celebrate. I think there's a place for all of that, but trying to maintain a health focus approach to natural, healthy foods, trying to use our bodies and keep them in motion. These are factors that not only decrease our risk for cancer, but when we face health challenges, which unfortunately almost all of us will, we know that those that are more active, that have engaged more with their health, they're taking care of their bodies better. Those people do better. They have less side effects. They have less symptoms and they get through the whole process much more smoothly. And of course, you are involved in treatment, diagnosis. Can you give our listeners a little bit of the background of exactly where you would come in in this entire scope of cancer care? You know, I have the privilege of serving as the chair for the Cancer Institute for the Geisinger Health System. And so for us, there are three key areas of program that we're responsible for that are really impactful for patients with cancer in our community. And that is hematology oncology. And those are doctors like me who specialize in the care of people with blood disorders, blood cancers and cancers of organs like the colon that we're talking about today. 
Um, we also have radiation oncology services and radiation oncologists are experts who use the tools of machines using radiation beams to treat and kill and, and cure cancer or help control cancer symptoms when tumors have spread. The other key part of our group that's under the, under the roof of the Cancer Institute is our palliative medicine physicians. And these are doctors that are not just focused on cancer, to be honest, but they're focused on quality of life and symptom management, and they can be key partners in the journey of cancer care for patients regardless of stage. And one of the things that I've really enjoyed about working at Geisinger is the fact that we have a strong dedication to multidisciplinary care. That's a fancy way of saying we try to get all the experts together in a room to talk about the patients that we get to take care of and give people the chance to meet the team that's going to care for them. So I've heard to one of them, which is right now mainly based in Danville, and that's a program for patients with Lynch syndrome, these um, inherited risks of cancer, where people can come and they can meet a geneticist, an oncologist, a gastroenterologist, and a host of other specialists that will be involved in cancer screening. But when people have things like colon cancer, they can come to the Frank M. and Dorothea Henry Cancer Center in Wilkes-Barre, and they can meet in one day the surgeon, the medical oncologist, the radiation oncologist, uh, and other key members of the team. And in that building, we have nutrition services and psychology services and other folks that are really, they're dedicated their lives to taking care of folks who are dealing with cancer. And one of the exciting things for us at Geisinger is that we're having meaningful growth to that. We're, we're adding services in Dixon City. We've broken ground on a $58 million facility where we're going to expand our ability to care for patients and bring more and more of those cancer-related experts under one roof, including radiation oncology care, which Geisinger, we've not had the opportunity to give in uh, that county before. So we're incredibly excited about that and really privileged to be members of this community for so many years and looking forward to growing what we do um, to match the needs of our community that we serve. I know for myself, it was very scary. And you immediately wonder what's going to happen next. As the physician, do you sit down and say, you might need radiation, you might need chemo, maybe you don't need anything because we're going to be able to surgically remove it? Yeah, so I think that's what's key is that I think that, you know, uh, the problem with um, these kinds of medical conditions, it, you don't know who you need until you need them, right? And I think that our goal with our program has been to build a team of expertise that's there and ready for when the problem arises. And I think that's the benefit. And again, meaningfully, one of the things I've enjoyed most about working at Geisinger, and I've been here since, I grew up in central Pennsylvania. I grew up in Bloomsburg, and I've been here since as an attending physician since 2008. And what I've really enjoyed is the fact that we've been able to assemble in a number of different areas of cancer, these sub-teams of experts who are really ready and waiting to care for patients, and that we're willing as the physician to talk about things, to think about all the options, and try to collaborate and develop partnerships with the people that we serve. And that can include, as you said, case by case. Some people they, quote, don't need me. You know, they'll never need chemotherapy and they just might need me to review that case with the team and confirm, yep, the surgery is all this person needs. They need nothing else. And, you know, God bless, let's keep moving. But it, we do have chemotherapy. We have a variety of treatments, intravenous and oral. We also, we're an NCI designated community oncology research program and we bring research studies and research new drug op treatment opportunities to patients in our backyard. So they don't have to drive to Philadelphia or New York if they want to be involved in a clinical trial. And so that's all part of the background work that our team tries to do every day so that we can be ready and we can be worthy of the trust of the people that choose us for their health care. And you mentioned the idea of clinical trials. Are there some that are ongoing here within the Northeast Pennsylvania area? So I think that this is actually... Um, somewhat of a blind spot um, in terms of what people may be aware of. And yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll say, I'll mention again, we're, we're an NCI-designated community oncology research program. So there's under 50 of these types of programs across the country that have earned that designation. Um, the majority of those are a consortium, a group of three or sometimes four hospitals, sometimes spanning more than one state. So at Geisinger, we're proud to say that we're one of only seven um, organizations in the country that have been able to earn that designation as a single health system. And so part of that is an underlying commitment 
to be able to offer clinical trial access for new treatments, new drugs, new therapies, new approaches to care right here. And, and so the specifics of the studies that we offer vary because those change over time. But we have dozens and dozens and dozens of clinical trials open at any given time for a variety of diseases, including colorectal cancer. And in fact, we'll be having a meeting here in the upcoming week or two with our gastroenterology group about a clinical trial about how we do that polyp follow-up um, that we've talked about, you know, if people have polyps and what needs to be done. So we're not looking at clinical trials, not only about treatment and intervention, we're also looking at tr clinical trials that try to help us screen and find cancers better and more effectively and do a better job and follow-up of people when they need care. Dr. Panikar, I could keep you here for probably another two days because there are so many questions and there's so many different directions. And I want to make sure that before we have to let you go, are there any specific areas that you would like to focus on in order to get the word out to our listeners, whether it's treatment, whether it's early diagnosis, whatever you would like to get the word out on? Number one, I think that healthcare is challenging and can be scary and stressful to people. So, but the first parts are good nutrition, being active and using our bodies. Our bodies work better. We feel better. Our mental health is better. And we do better when we engage in those things, when we eat well, when we use our bodies, which does not always mean joining a gym or running a marathon. People get overwhelmed by the idea of, I need to go to the gym and I need to do this or that. It can be focusing on doing your gardening in a, in a very, very particular way, going for a walk with your dog or the person that you care about the most. Um, those kinds of things are really important pillars to health. Next, having a good relationship with your healthcare team, finding physicians and providers that you trust that you can share your concerns with openly. So you're talking about what you're really worried about and not uh, dancing around the issues as we've talked about already. Um, the other things that I would say is from a cancer standpoint, cancer screening, colon cancer screening, mammogram, a gynecologic exam, or smokers over the age of 52, thinking about things like lung cancer screening, which so many people are unaware of. Um, those are, are also screening strategies. Now, when cancer is the diagnosis and you need the help, I think that's where it's important to understand, you know, in our Northeast Territory, at the Frank M. and Dorothea Henry Cancer Center in Wilkes-Barre, we have uh, teams of physicians waiting and available to help take care of you, and we're expanding what we're doing. We already have hematology, oncology, and palliative medicine services in our program at Geisinger Community Medical Center. We've broken ground on our new facility in Dixon City, and we are bringing doctors from all over the country, trained from all at the, some of the best and brightest in the, in the nation are coming to be able to help take care of our patients in the Northeast. I just want people to know that healthcare seems overwhelming and it can be very complicated, but we want to have processes that can make things easier for people. And that's our goal. I think that this is a challenge and it's a challenge of, you know, modern life. In so many ways, there's a busyness about everything that we do. But I think that ultimately for all the technology, and we have a lot of it, we have great things and great tools, CyberKnife and, and, and new medical treatments, clinical trials we talked about. But in the end, healthcare is really people taking care of other people. And I think that there's no substitute for that aspect of what healthcare is about. And it's what I've enjoyed the most and my privilege of getting to take care of people in my career is the opportunity to help people that trust us with their, with their lives. It's a privilege that can't be minimized. Uh, it's really a fantastic and amazing opportunity that we have to serve. Thanks once again to Dr. Rajiv Panikar, the chair of the Cancer Institute of the Geisinger Health System, for joining us today to tell us about the word that no one wants to hear, cancer, but about the strides that are being made in cancer research, cancer treatment, and overall cancer care. Coming up next, we're going to meet David Parmalee. He's the general manager of the Little Theater of Wilkes-Barre. David has your invitation to an upcoming gala celebration here on Special Edition. Welcome back to Special Edition. Are you ready for a gala celebration? No, you don't have to be dressed formally, but if you want to, you're more than welcome. 
David Parmalee, General Manager of the Little Theater of Wilkesbury, has your invitation to their gala evening of great memories. For all those performers who've been on the stage, the volunteers behind the scenes, or just all those theater lovers past and present who've enjoyed their productions. They're celebrating their 100th season, and he has the details on an evening that you'll want to be a part of. David, you have so many things happening at Little Theater of Wilkes-Barre. First of all, congratulations. The season is still underway. And can you give our listeners just a little bit of what's to come from here to the end of the season? Well, thank you very much, Paula, and I certainly can. You're right. So much has happened already. It's been what we can only call a blockbuster season. And we have two uh, great shows coming up. Our annual production of the Rocky Horror Show, which happens right around Halloween, including the traditional midnight show. That's something we've done for eight years and only missed one, of course, due to the, the COVID shutdown. But we are back. We were back last year. We're coming back again this year, around right around Halloween. And then the beloved Christmas story, the musical version, the one we see every year with the light lamp, sometimes broadcast for 24 hours. There's a delightful musical adaptation, and that will happen just before Christmas. But prior to that, September 23rd, a non-theatrical event that still has a lot of theater to it, our 100th season celebration gala on September 23rd. A hundred years? Yes, exactly. And how could we let that occasion pass uh, without a a true evening of celebration? So not a performance, but a gathering uh, at the Westmoreland Club. We're inviting anyone who'd like to join us for that event to come and and celebrate theater in all its forms and uh, eat and drink and join together and just have a great time at a a once-in-a-lifetime occasion this gala it's not your typical gala what exactly does that mean not typical exactly you know it's uh it's marvelous we have such great archives and we actually have photos and the program from the 50th anniversary which featured dan flood a name that will resonate with many folks in the Wyoming valley especially my age Uh, we have the uh, 75th anniversary the 85th anniversary And those occasions sometimes tend to be a sit-down dinner with a lot of speeches. And we went to just the opposite direction. Uh, We're not sitting down. We're mingling, circulating. We're going to have food stations, drink stations, uh, tall tables where people can stop, mingle, and talk to folks throughout the evening. And no long speeches. Uh, We're going to have some what we call milestone stations, where guests can stop and talk with some little theater staff and cast members and see the archives from each 25 years. Uh, One from 1923, 1948, 1973, and 1998, where they can look at the evolution of what we've been doing, what Broadway's been doing over that time. Uh, We're going to have some fun prize events going on through the evening, some involving skill, some involving chance. And then at the end of the evening, our 101st season will be introduced by some little theater alumni who've gone on uh, to professional careers or who've had long careers in the area, Uh, some in person and some on video because they're busy doing some other theatrical things. My, that sounds like there's going to be so many things going on. And it sounds very formal. Well, uh, we're calling it black tie optional. Some people like to get dressed up for occasions like this, and that's a great thing to be able to do, but not necessary. But it's a fun evening. It's a dynamic evening, and it's all about good company, the ability to talk to other folks who love theater like yourself, and of course, support us uh, during our capital campaign. It is a fundraiser for Little Theater because uh, we need a roof, among other things. So that, that's always something that we keep in mind. And of course, you're absolutely right. Fundraising is one of the biggest things, and especially when you're taking care of a building. And how long have, has Little Theater been at that location in that building? 1957. It was built in 1940. Uh, the building was purchased in 1955. It was a movie theater. It was called the Sterling Theater. 
It closed as a movie theater, probably because there were a couple of big ones just a few blocks away on Public Square. And that opened for public performance of live theater in 57. So it's a, a historic building. It's got so much charm and magic. But like a lot of charming buildings, it also has its needs from time to time. And we have to maintain it, which can be surprisingly expensive. So we're only able to do that because of the generosity of the community. And you're, of course, inviting people in the community and they don't have to be on stage. They can just be people who enjoy theater. Oh, absolutely not. Yes, people uh, who enjoy being in the audience or people who enjoy being backstage or on stage. In fact, we've heard from many folks who, who are coming. One of the lifetime members of Little Theater. Uh, is Jim Harris, who's our former general manager. And he and his wife, Andrea, are coming up from Hawaii. Unless uh, somebody has some extraordinary plans, they'll probably win the prize for greatest distance travel to the reunion, as they say. They're going to make an entire probably week out of it, I would hope. (laughs) Well, a couple of days anyway. And tell us a little bit about getting involved in that, because it's not just the fact of, of purchasing a ticket, but you can also use some help from the other end as well, from people who would like to maybe make a donation, be a sponsor. We sure can. And we're very grateful for that always. Uh, tickets are available right now on our website. Uh, very simple to do. Or you can call the theater to reserve. If you are somebody who'd like to support the theater, especially if you're a a local entrepreneur, somebody who has a business in the community, uh, we have sponsorships available from the $100 level on up. And we'd love to tell folks about what you've done for us, feature you at the event. So we have many ways to do that. And that might be something that a whole group who enjoys coming to see Little Theater might get together and be able to do that way. That's a great idea. In fact, uh, Walter Mitchell and the Mitchell family have gotten together and they are one of the sponsors of, I believe, one of the food stations or something like that, uh, just sponsored by the Mitchell family. Is there a deadline for any of that? For that because you said the, the date is September 23rd. So would yes. there be a deadline? Yes, coming up quickly, isn't it? Yes. We'd love to hear from folks as soon as possible uh, if they have an interest in being a sponsor. Now, tell us a little bit more about the evening. I know you said that there were going to be different stations. By any chance, will you have some current or former cast members of some productions, maybe giving everybody a taste of what's been on stage? We are not putting a huge emphasis on performance because we don't want folks uh, to have to sit you know, and, and watch too much. Uh, we think it, it's more about people being together. Uh, that it is about people, you know, being part of an audience. Uh, but nonetheless, we are going to feature uh, musical numbers from, you know, one or two of the things coming up because we want to give people a taste of what that's all about. David, something tells me when you get a large group of theater performers together, all of a sudden somebody starts humming a tune, and before you know it, <laughs> it's it's an it entire crescendo. <laughs> Try to restrain yourself, folks. (laughs) Exactly. And again, just let our listeners know if they would like to get involved, the information about purchasing tickets, of course, the all-important date when this is going to happen. Of course. uh, This is Friday, September 23rd at the Westmoreland in Wilkesboro. It's not going to be a late evening. We start at 530. uh, Food served immediately. Bars open immediately. And we we, uh, hope to conclude around 830 or so. Uh, tickets are $100, $125 the day of the event, uh, black tie optional. And you can purchase those tickets right now online at ltwb.org, our website. Or you can call Little Theater at uh, 570-823-1875, which has been our phone number for a long time, to reserve those tickets. And we would love to have you with us. Uh, if you'd like to sponsor the event, please just contact us if you'd like to sponsor in any way or be part of it so we can arrange for that or arrange to recognize you in the program. And of course, on that evening, 
Interesting. I'm glad that you mentioned the fact that you could get a ticket at the door because, you know, some people might be coming from Hawaii and just decide, hey, I'm going to fly in for for this and and get there and say, well, I'm here now. Can I get in? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Theater people aren't always known for planning ahead, are they? Absolutely not. Sometimes more spontaneous. One of our greatest experiences a couple of years ago, we did King Lear Shakespeare production. And we had a couple who won tickets on WVIA and drove in from State College that evening with their script to see the show. So it's marvelous to uh, see people with that kind of enjoyment and appreciation. for David, an event. David, that's why I'm telling you, when you get theater together with everybody else and, and everybody's excited and talking about different things, anything can happen. It truly can. You never know. You might even have an appearance by Rocky before Rocky Horror hits the stage. (laughs) (laughs) It's around that time. Uh, The show's auditioning right now, and it should be cast in the next few days. So we'll find out who will be part of that production. Well, I won't tell anybody I made that suggestion, just in case it happens. (laughs) Once again, the when, the where, the why, the how, everything for everybody who really appreciates theater in our area through Little Theater of Wilkes-Barre. For the gala, September 23rd at the Westmoreland Club, 5.30 to 8.30. You can reserve tickets right now at ltwb.org. For any of our shows, it's very easy to buy tickets online. And those tickets will go on sale several weeks before the actual first performance. They can be reserved online at the same website, ltwb.org. Or you can always call our box office and we'll take care of you personally at 823-1875. Oh, and I would be remiss if I didn't have you also explain about the Play Pass. That's also something that's very cool. Yes, the Play Pass is great. Uh, Everybody loves their season ticket holders, and we do too. And our Play Pass becomes available when we begin our annual campaign, which will actually kick off just after the gala on September 23rd. And you can uh, get a Play Pass good for any number of tickets that work for you from as few as six to as many as, I believe, 24. And the discount goes up as the number of tickets goes up. But a lot of people think of a season ticket as one ticket per show or two tickets per show. What our ticket offers that's different from most is it's completely flexible. If you buy a six-ticket play pass, you can bring five friends and yourself to one performance. Or you could bring yourself by yourself if you enjoy that, to six performances or anything in between. So it's completely flexible. And again, it's all handled personally by our box office managers. You simply call them and tell them when you want to attend, where you like to sit, and they set your own seats aside for you. Little Theater of Wilkes-Barre looking forward to the next 100 years. 100 years, exactly. David, anything that I've left out that you want to make sure that our listeners know? Well, first, we want to thank you very, very much. Community theater is just that. We would not be here without the support of the very generous public and also without the support of folks like you who help us share the story. So we're very grateful. Thanks, David. Don't forget, mark your calendar for September 23rd and go to ltwb.org. Get the information and your tickets. Speaking of anniversaries, The Ritz Theater in downtown Scranton celebrates their 115th anniversary, and you're invited to a ribbon-cutting and enjoy a slice of cake. It's happening Friday, September 2nd, 10.30 a.m. at the Ritz Performing Arts Center, Wyoming Avenue in Scranton. You may remember it as the Comerford Theater, where it was opened over a century ago on Labor Day. Everyone's invited. Again, that's Friday, September 2nd, 10.30 a.m., The Ritz, Wyoming Avenue in Scranton. Now, don't go away. Coming up next, school year and Labor Day safety on Special Edition.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Now on Special Edition, it's Master Trooper Deanna Pekanski, Public Information Officer with Pennsylvania State Police, Troop P. Wilkesbury, and Rebecca Ryback, Coordinator of the Northeast Highway Safety Program. They can't tell us why the summer seemed to go so fast, but they can tell us about back-to-school safety and reminders for the Labor Day weekend. Time to talk about Labor Day, and we're also talking because so many kids are already back in the classroom Back to school safety. Rebecca, I'm going to start with you. Get us ready for Labor Day. During the Labor Day holiday, um, we know it's the end of the summertime, but a lot of people want to take some, you know, last minute trips, last minute gatherings uh, before the school year starts. So uh, because of that, PennDOT and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration also noticed that there could be a high rate of impaired drivers on the road. So we just want to remind everybody that, you know, if you feel different, you drive different. um, And that includes uh, alcohol, marijuana, over-the-counter drugs, even um, prescription drugs. So you really want to make sure that uh, you have someone who could drive you from point A to point B if you are indeed at a party. Sounds like good advice. And what happens if we don't do that? DUI, not cheap. Right. Uh, We always say that a DUI, you can't afford it because not only is it, you know, getting pulled over, fines for that, but then there are classes you have to take. Uh, There you might have lawyer fines. You have, you know, evaluation fines. So it does add up. And like, that's why we say, you know, DUI, you can't afford it. So, and I think another thing is the marijuana um, for medical use and stuff. People need to realize that, you know, that is also impaired driving. So you want to make sure that, you know, whatever you're using, that, you know, you stay put and don't get behind the wheel. More good advice from Rebecca. So I'm going to go over now to Trooper Pekanski. Get us ready for back to school. There are already students in the classroom. And of course, that means different things happening on the roadways. What should we look out for? Well, the biggest thing would be the big yellow buses. Um, They've been off all summer. They're back in the area. They're on the roadways and we want people to be safe. They should stop at least 10 feet away from the school bus when the red lights are flashing and the stop arm is extended. They must stop behind the bus when they're meeting or approaching an intersection where there was a bus stop. And following or traveling alongside a school bus, you must also stop until the red lights stop flashing when the arm is down. And you want to make sure that all the children are getting off safely. So that's the biggest thing. Just remember that they are back out there getting kids to and from school. So be aware that they're out there on the road and there are small children that get off. They get excited. They should stop and not go out on the road. But, you know, they get excited at the end of the day getting off the bus. So we need to be aware as the motorist. 
And as Rebecca was telling us about DUI, when you're talking about school buses, I'm sure that there are probably some fines that would happen if you aren't paying attention. Yes, you can be cited. Um, if you're not stopping for the school bus, you can get a, up to a $250 fine and get points on your driving record for going past the school bus. So you want to make sure that you're stopping and you don't want to get a driver's license suspension on top of it either because then you're not going to be getting to work. So you want to be paying attention and be aware of your surroundings and watch the school buses. Aside from the school buses, of course, there are still some children that are walking to school. And that also opens up a whole different area because, again, summertime, we're not used to seeing crossing guards. So what are some of the things that we should pay attention to in that area? Most of the crossing guards are going to have a stop sign. So and they would also wear an orange or yellow reflective vest when they go out to stop the traffic. So they will start to go out into the traffic to let you know that they're going to be crossing children. They will put their stop sign up and you should stop for the crossing guard to let the children go by. The crossing guard should stand in the center of the roadway until all the children have gotten from one side of the road to the other or away from the bus if they stop traffic for a bus with kids getting off. And then they will put their sign down and walk back and then you can proceed with your traffic. And again, talking about children walking along the side of the road, you mentioned the fact that during the school bus time that they have a tendency to go. Well, they see their friends and what can happen there? If they dart out into traffic, they could get hit by a car. They could get hurt or even, you know, worse, they could end up getting killed. So we remind the children, we go out to the schools and remind the children how they should get on the bus, not to be goofing around on the bus get off, wait, and make sure that it's safe to cross, or if there's a crossing guard, to let the crossing guard cross them across the roadway so that they do not get into danger's way. And I'm going to go back over to Rebecca now, because as we're talking about children getting to school in different ways, of course, one of the things that we always hear about are those child car seats. And Rebecca, now's the time to start looking at them, right? Right, yes. Actually, September um, is Child Passenger Safety Month, and there is a week where you will um, see a lot of car seat checks going on locally, um, just so uh, parents could have their car seat checked correctly. But um, we discuss this a lot with going into school because especially children who are in have to do like a drop-off pickup line, I know that, the, you know, the traffic has to move fast. The teachers are getting your children out of the car. But we want to remind um, all parents that children still need to remain, you know, in a car seat or booster seat, um, depending on their age. And also, we recommend children sit in the back seat until they're 13 years old. And we do get a lot of concerns, uh, calls from schools that, you know, when they parents come up to the drop-off line, that, you know, the kids are already unbuckled, they're bouncing around the car, maybe they're sitting up front and they're too young. So we just want parents to be mindful that, you know, the laws still apply, even though we know in the mornings it's busy and hectic and we want to get our kids to school and in school at, you know, a reasonable time. So just leave early, make sure you know your route, and make sure that your kids are safe in their car seat or seatbelt. And Trooper Pekansky. That gives me the idea that, as Rebecca said, to make sure that you're taking your time. And But what happens when you're kind of going a little bit fast for work and you're going through a school zone? Speeding, can that also be an issue? Yes, it can. When you go through a school zone, most school zones have uh, flashing yellow lights and they will tell you to slow down. It's usually 15 miles per hour. So if you're going through a school zone and you do not slow down to the 10 mile, um, 15, 10 miles an hour, you can receive a citation for speeding and it will be doubled in a school zone. Wow. Well, again, that sounds like it is not something that we want to do. And I'm just going to ask you, too, that we're probably not supposed to do that when we're out on the regular roadways, right? Speeding, correct. You don't want to be speeding because you, you need to be aware of your surroundings. You want to get where you're going safely. You never know if a, an animal could dart out. A child might 
run out or maybe they're playing with a ball and they go running after that, which they shouldn't do. However, they are children. They don't always think as fast as an adult would and, you know, they could run out after it. So you want to be going the speed limit or under so that you have a better reaction time that if there is an emergency, you'd be able to stop. I'm glad you brought that up because, again, it's coming that time of year and the deer are becoming more active throughout the area. And, again, we'll be changing our times and dusk and dawn will be coming up like we don't realize because we haven't had that happening all summer. Now, from either one of you, is there anything that you want to make sure that we know as we're heading into Labor Day and as we are also getting ready for back to school? Well, with the Labor Day, as we um, stated before, it's the end of the summer. People are getting ready, you know, to go back to school. And there's going to be more people on the roadway because it's kind of, you know, the big bang for the end of summer. But we want you to don't drink, don't drive. If you're going to drink, get an Uber, have somebody else drive you, stay home. Because if you're not sober, you could get pulled over. Rebecca, I'm going to give you the last word. What do you want to leave us with? Um, I also want to remind everybody, uh, and you, you talked about this, Paula, about school coming back and children walking to school. Not so much with the crossing guards, but you want to watch the children walking to school. Some kids walk to school, you know, with their friends if they have a neighborhood school. And some kids, you know, will be waiting by the bus stop, too. So you want to make sure as a driver that you're aware of your surroundings. Um, be mindful that school is starting, that there's going to be children on the sidewalks, on the side of the road waiting for the bus. So we just want everybody to be mindful of the walkers, the bus drivers, and the drivers. Pennsylvania State Police Master Trooper Deanna Pekanski and Rebecca Ryback with the Northeast Highway Safety Program always have great information. A reminder, this weekend on Sunday, the Northeast Pennsylvania GRASP chapter will be holding their overdose awareness event at Kirby Park in Wilkesbury. It's happening from 3 till 6 p.m. This Wednesday, August 31st, is National Overdose Awareness Day. Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.